0: Welcome to another in our series of Kehillat Israel podcasts. This is a recording of Rabbi Amy Bernstein's weekly Friday morning Torah study.
1: We are in a collection of laws uh, in Deuteronomy, and as we read through them, they will feel very random. Uh, Like how some of them, it makes sense why they're put together. Others of them, uh, it makes seems to make no sense. Um, If you're ever interested, there is an outline of all the laws of Deuteronomy. We're about here. Um, So we're in the middle of this huge uh, collection of laws. Uh, And when you look at how laws are organized as they're written down in the ancient world, um, it's not exactly logic in terms of intrinsically to the laws what might hold them together um, like a theme let's say you know land okay well let's get all the laws about land now let's get all the, the laws about taking care of the poor now is it, that would make sense to us as modern western thinkers Um, In the ancient world, as we know, they thought a little differently. So rather than organize everything exactly by category and how they relate and laws that relate to each other through that category or subject matter, the, the organization in the ancient world is called concatenation. These words I know that like are completely useless in the world. I completely really like completely useless. Hard to work into we're a, a, a conversation, right? <laughs> so concatenation is about um, is like uh, actually it's in jewelry when you when you put to set something together to make a chain. Uh, that's what that word means. And so that's the way laws in the ancient Near East are organized. Um, and so it doesn't make a lot of sense to us, which can get frustrating. It's like, wait, what? Like, what? why? Why is that? Like, after that, it makes no sense. So you don't get a sense of, like, the, the um, thing well you don 't get a, you don 't get a real good sense of the subject like if we start talking about tort law right you, know, you, you get all the laws having to do with property and you get kind of a sense of what that society thinks about in terms of relationship to owning stuff right or owning land, so you kind of get a philosophy from the law it 's harder with The laws arranged this way um, because it's not complete. You're you're not getting a lot of stuff on one subject. You're getting stuff like this that you then have to figure out. If you wanted to find everything having to do with land, you'd have to go grab all those laws and put them together. And now let's study that to get an idea of what their relationship to the land, right? And ownership would be of some sort. Is there a different kind of yes? Yes. So um, for them, sometimes it was about how the laws are stated. So sometimes it may be about a clause that's used. So they'll find other laws that have that same clause to introduce them. Um, and this is common in the ancient world. It's, uh, we find it in the code of Hammurabi. So this is, this is not unusual in the ancient world. So, so Torah is not special that way. It's, it's how things were done uh, in ancient uh, law codes. Alright, so we're jumping into kind of the middle of the law code. Uh, Remember that we've talked about Deuteronomy is a religious reform. So part of why we get these laws here is because this is now how it's to be understood how you're supposed to do it. There may have been other understandings before, right? And Deuteronomy will differ from other understandings, right? Because it is a religious reform. So we'll see some repetition, um, but That we will see some differences um, in those. And then, if we have time, I just want to do a fun piece with you. All right. I know fun and Deuteronomy generally (laughs) are not words that you would associate with each other. Uh, All right. 24, we're going to begin at our triennial uh, section, so the last section of. This parsha, the last third of the parsha, beginning at 2414, according to Hibkow.
2: You shall not abuse a needy and destitute laborer, whether a fellow countryman or a stranger in one of the communities of your land. You must pay him his wages on the same day before the sun sets, for he is needy and urgently depends on it, else he will cry to the Lord against you, And you will incur guilt.
1: All right. So here we get day laborers. We get people who are paid by the day for their work. And it is assumed that if that is how they work, then they are living hand to mouth. And so to delay their wages past the day that they work means they're counting on that cash to buy dinner on the way home and to have something to eat in the morning. So uh, Torah is very clear. For a day laborer, you may not delay giving them the cash uh, because they depend on it, and it is abhorrent, right, to, um you will, you will incur guilt. You can't do it. It's chet. I mean, the word chet is used here.
2: Sin. All right. 16. Parents shall not be put to death for children, nor children be put to death for parents. A person shall be put to death only for his own crime. So, obviously, something
1: else was going on in the neighborhood, right? Obviously, there's a system whereby if someone commits a crime, you can say, okay, take my firstborn son, right, and execute him and spare me, or vice versa, right? That, you know, the father's killed because of what the son does. Clearly, Torah says, "Mm mm-mm, can't do it that people are held accountable for their own behavior and only their own behavior.
0: So what happens, um, I believe, the (coughs) current law in Israel is when there's a suicide bomber, the idea will come and destroy the home. It is his home, which makes homeless his relatives or her relatives. It kind of goes against this.
1: Well, does it go against the spirit of this law? Maybe. Um, maybe. But I I think executing and using punitive means to dissuade others from doing stuff, right? I, I don't know. I wouldn't equ- – are they in the same family? Yes. But I don't mean family. Are they – Related concepts, yes. Yeah. I do think execution right. is different than we're going we're to make sure it is unpleasant for the people left, right, as a deterrent. Just
0: ratcheting down a notch.
1: A lot, right? I mean, I, it's, it, look, it's not, I'm not defending it. I'm just saying it's, is it? does it go against the spirit of this? Maybe, but you'd have to extend the spirit pretty far. Right? I you mean, know, the person's already dead. Suicide bomber because he has now killed other people. He's already dead, so I, I think that thought is you have to do something. It's a deterrent. Right. It's a deterrent for somebody else who says, "Oh, I'm going to go to heaven and have 70 virgins." Okay, great, but what's going to happen to your family is that you know the Israeli government's going to destroy their home. Are you down with that? Right. So it's a it's really a deterrent from somebody else deciding this would be a good idea because it's going to impact their yeah. families.
2: With all due respect, relative to this law that. Feels like a stretch. Well, so that—that's what I'm saying.
1: I think that's what I'm saying. Um, you know, and lots of people rush in as the Israeli government well knows. Lots of people rush in to support the family of suicide bombers. They're supported for life. So, all right. It's an ugly—it's an ugly business. What you know, wh- whichever way you look at it. All right, seventeen.
2: You shall not subvert the rights of the stranger or the fatherless. You shall not take a widow's garment in pawn. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt and that the Lord your God redeemed you from there. Therefore do I enjoin you to observe this commandment.
1: All right, so this is not unfamiliar to us, right? This is, Deuteronomy is, is re-emphasizing, right, that the stranger and the orphan are vulnerable. And because they are vulnerable, they must, you must protect them, and you were strangers in the land of Egypt, you were vulnerable, so you will act out of empathy and identification with the orphan and the stranger. The widow is a special case here. Um, if, you, if you want to borrow money, you have to give a pledge, right, um, in case you renege on your debt. And so, you, so people could distrain other people's property if they're going to give them a loan. But you may not distrain the widow's garment. Because, why? That's all
2: she's got. She has no support. assumption she sleeps on it So the assumption the is
1: she sleeps in it. Yeah, right? It's her. You slept in your cloak. Um, as a, like a blanket. If, you if you're If you're poor. You know, in particular, if you're poor. Um, and... But why? Why the? Why a widow? Why? Why is this different from a stranger or an orphan?
3: Because she doesn't have the support or the bounty that a husband could
1: provide. And what about the orphan? Same thing. So how come she's a different case? And
3: the orphan. Mm-hmm. How different?
1: You. It just says about the widow that you can't take her garment as collateral doesn't say that about the stranger or the or the orphan. Well, the,
3: for the orphan, they probably figure that the person isn't that horrible that you would take something from an
1: orphan. I love how Sarah Moskowitz sees the world. I just <laughs> do. <laughs> I, I, stranger the stranger and
0: the orphan are treated differently, too. You can't subvert the rights of A or B and the widow's not included in that, so maybe he can subvert her rights and you can't take the cloak
1: of the widow. All right, R- reading from a lawyer.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think um, an orphan can be adopted, but maybe traditionally they won't marry a widow. Don't
1: so the, the, rabbis, the rabbis seem to think this has something to do with the last indignity <clears throat> for a woman who's been left alone. Mm the last indignity would be to take her garment, that with which she covers herself. Um, and the rabbinic imagination goes even further, because you've got to love the rabbis. And they say, well, if you're coming to give it back to her every night, right? if you, if you take it during the day and you come to give it back to her each night, mm-hmm. could lead to dancing. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> it's, it's, funny. it's just that it's not
0: just the rule. Like, the last two were just the rule. And this one is the rule and
1: the reason. Right. So we don't always get a reason.
0: So it is like, again with the
1: slave. Again with the slave. So this is, a normal, this is a normal coupling for us. The stranger, vulnerable, you were slaves. Vulnerable, protect them, you were slaves. Love the stranger, you were slaves, right? This is, this is a normal pairing, so this is, this is not unusual for um, us to see. Other places we get kind of reasoning for the law, and other places we don't. So one way you might, you might choose to organize laws are the places where you get a bunch of reasons, right? That's in the ancient world they might have done. That's the way they would organize stuff.
2: Yes, but the, the At least the English here, and I think the Hebrew is in the singular, which I found interesting. You were a slave. Uh-huh. You were slaves. So right. it is addressed to each individual. Yes. As this, in this these are all case. addressed personal, to personal individuals. Th- this is to the
1: landowner. These laws are addressed to the master of the house. Okay. 19.
2: When you reap the harvest in your field and overlook a sheaf in the field, do not turn back to get it shall so go to the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow, in order that the Lord your God may bless you in all your undertaking. Go on. When you beat down the fruit of your olive oops, hold on. <laughs> right, I the page is sticking. I'm assuming bush, the next word tree, tree <laughs> olive trees do not go over them again. They shall go to the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. When you gather the grapes of your vineyard do not pick it over again. That shall go to the stranger, the fatherless, and the widow. Always remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt; therefore, do I enjoin you to observe this commandment.
1: Okay, so uh, this is about right. The poor. So more stuff about the poor, and more stuff about providing for the poor, uh, so that when so th- there are different terms for all of these things. What taken together with Leviticus 19. The rabbis come up with four categories. So we have these laws in Leviticus. There are slight differences that mean they come up with four different categories um, of this business, right? So peah, shichachah, leket, and peret. So we have this idea of the edges of the field being left unreaped so that the poor can reap. So this is, of course, what we see in the book of Ruth, Ruth right the book of Ruth <laughs> Ruth is a Ruth is allowed to glean in the field of Boaz because mm. Boaz is a righteous Israelite and allows the poor to glean in his field right and she goes behind them and picks up what drops and the poor can harvest the edges of the field
3: I mean, it, it seems that there's an implication that you take care of yourself first and if you have any excess you give it to the stranger
1: you're half right you take care of yourself first and your family you you take care of them by, by eating most or selling most of your harvest but you don't own the edges of the produce from the edges of your field or what drops as people are gleaning doesn't belong to you it belongs to the poor because all of it belongs to God, God. So God says you get to use most of your harvest, however you want. The edges of your field and what drops, or the, the olives that remain on the tree once you've beaten it, that belongs to the poor. You're stealing from the poor, from the so poor if you take it.
3: It's not a concept of sharing. This has nothing to do with this.
1: Well, it's, I mean, sort of. I mean, that's, I mean, I don't know that we need to parse so much a word that applies. What it means is it 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 doesn't all belong to you. Part of it belongs to the poor because that is how you build a just society that is reflective of what God wants from us.
3: In the meantime, there are several widows here. Would you pass those grapes back? Yeah, on? yeah, uh
1: huh. <laughs> yeah, pass the grapes. <laughs> there they go. The nice thing, when Bert was reading. I thought the scavenger. You know, scavenger who <laughs> clear off everything,
3: and that's the opposite. Very nice,
1: Dana. Very nice. So, right, scavengers, like, clean the, down to the bones, right? And um, and you're not supposed to behave like scavengers. Oh, <laughs> sure. Well, right. Our instinct is to hoard. <laughs> you know, our instinct is to get as much as possible. And, you know, this is the argument when the angels went to God and said, you're going to give those monkeys the greatest gift in the universe? You're going to give them Torah? How- master of the universe, how could you possibly give your divine Torah to those animals? And God turns to the angels and says do you kill each other? Do you steal from each other? For the, what do you need Torah for? That Only people who, who are generally avaricious need to be told to share. <laughs> <Right? laughs> yeah. Torah is written to deal with our Instincts, right? And to curb our natural tendencies, right? It doesn't say it's a bad thing to want to keep it all. It just says to build a just society, a society built on holiness, you can't. Doesn't, right? Which I love about Judaism. It doesn't say, you know, y'all are horrible because, you know, you want more. It just says, you can't take all of it. <laughs> it just assumes we're going to want more. You try to fix it and try to and try to put some limits on our problem. natural tendencies. But but Toto totally, totally understands who we are, <laughs> right? And totally understands our our instincts. You okay, Sheldon? Yeah. I'm fine.
3: Yeah. I was thinking that uh, <coughs> the edge of the field, the edge is not as fertile or not as good. But here it says the. Actual good
1: stuff, leave like the good stuff, so it's even more helpful. Helpful. Yeah. Uh, and also, it's about dignity, right? right? So, it isn't about the produce itself. It, a lot of this is about dignity. If you live in an agrarian culture and it's harvest time, everyone who has means goes to harvest their field or goes to work as a laborer harvesting someone else's crops, right? If you're destitute, then you're not doing any of that. So, but, so Torah protects against the humiliation of handouts right? by saying when it's harvest time, the poor will also harvest their food. They will harvest their crops, which is the edges of y'all's and anything that falls while y'all are har- harvesting. That, right, they're going to harvest their crop. And for me, that is just as important yes. as the food, because there could have been other ways. Look at Joseph, right? There's other ways to do it, like just harvest your whole field and take 10% and give it to the food bank, you know. Um, but Torah says, no, you're, you're going to normalize being poor, and save it, and, and and they're going to do what everyone else is doing right. when it's time to harvest.
3: I know this is just very obvious. The <laughs> edges are the most accessible, and so you don't have to walk across the field and have everybody look at you. You just appear at
1: the edges. Very nice. So it, I think it is about dignity, right? That if you have to go to the center of the field, like to start and move your way out, right? It, it is. You're in center stage. Right, and if you're going behind people who are reaping, do people can people really tell who's working and who's poor and picking up? But you're just you're part of the train that's moving along, right? Um, and so I think a, a lot of this is about preserving the dignity, um, of, and self-respect of the poor. Mm. We okay?
3: Yeah,
0: we're good. We're doing all right. I kind of, it was interesting. I kind of see the opposite of what Sarah. interpretation that if you're just limited to the outside, these are people on the fringe. But if you're allowed to go in, you're seen, and you're part of, and you are known, and this is part of my community. You're not stealthily on the fringe, not wanting to be seen.
1: So, I'm sure both Yeah. I'm, I'm sure a lot of it depends on how the people who own the field and work the field, treat people at the... Remember, Boaz says to his workers, make sure she's not harassed. Because it's obvious, if she's following behind them to grab what falls, it's obvious that she's she's poor and doesn't have a husband, right? Because he would be providing. Um, So so if Boaz has to say, make sure she's not harassed, that means... Often they were, right? And again, Torah's you know, Torah's giving the ideal, but how people Ah. uh, enforce this, how they live this out, were people, right? So I'm sure it could go either way. It's about the behavior of the people. You know, it's like us. You know, I feel that way. I feel this very keenly. What you're talking about, you know, with the issue of homelessness right and if and when i see somebody who doesn't have a home and it, it just is like it's that feeling of i don't want to see because it's right because it's so painful right and of course i have to see because otherwise i'm denying somebody's dignity and my own confrontation with my own avarice right that keeps me occupied with what i have and what i need to get more of rather than focusing on laws and and being active about legislation that would actually Help the situation, right? So, I mean, I think that it's very, it's very similar. H- how do we behave when confronted with the poor and the hungry? All right. Ugh. okay. No, we're good still.
2: Chapter twenty-five. Yeah. <laughs> when there's a dispute between men and they go to law, and a decision is rendered declaring that the one in the right and the other in the wrong. If the guilty one is to be flogged, the magistrate shall have him lie down and be given lashes in his presence by count as his guilt warrants. He may be given up to 40 lashes, but not more, lest being flogged further to excess... Your brother be degraded before your eyes.
1: So apparently, up to 40 lashes is not degrading. 40 and forward is. Um, this is common in the ancient world. Flogging was a common form of punishment in the in the ancient world. I mean, whenever I, I read about the pilgrims and I read about our early society, right, and being in what do you call it? Yeah, you know, and and publicly whipped. I mean, this is this is absolutely normal. Uh, corporal punishment was one form of punishment in the ancient world. We hate it. That's a good thing. Um, but it, but you can't, you can't flog someone to death. You can't flog. I mean, again, Torah's there always to put a limit. Torah's not judging flogging. Flogging was just understood to be part of the justice system. But you can't, what Torah's going to do is limit right your ability to damage somebody permanently. I mean, it's you know, or like it says, like to degrade them into t- a place that is just well, for has nothing to do with punishment anymore.
3: Seems like 40 lashes could kill. Them. I, I I know and I know, I know. I, I'm is just
1: kind of like okay whatever, <laughs> <laughs> whatever. like <laughs> the <This is Singapore laughs> got 40 uh, lashes with vlogging
0: because of the gum wasn't that. Right.
2: Yeah. So yeah, you could use you could use a cane. You know, like you could use a stick. Um, Later, the rabbis in the Talmud, there's a whole tractate. I think it's called Makot, that just deals with flogging, and which is strifa, hard for us to and, deal. Right,
1: you know, so there's you know there's burning. There's but how to
2: do there's, you know, how to do it? How, hanging, how you don't do it? When you do this? When you do that? <laughs> <So> the, yep. <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: We skip this. <laughs> All right. Four. You shall not muzzle an ox while it is threshing.
1: Okay. We understand why, yes? Good. So it's cruel to ask an animal to stomp on uh, food and not be able to eat it. Like its job is to... Threshing was done by pulling you know, something over the grain. Right. And so it's cruel to ask an animal to do that and muzzle it so that it can't eat while it does that. And actually, this, this continues in the, in the Middle East. This continues to be the case, that people don't muzzle oxen while they thresh. In Muslim countries where as well? People, <laughs> where oh. people have oxen threshing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes. Okay. They must go. The rabbis must go all over the place with this. Of do, they, do they extend it to people and, and to no? No, I don't mean the threshing, but the, the idea. The No, the idea of of, of kindness That's and not diet. putting someone in a position where.
1: Yeah, they generally don't extrapolate from animals oh, to humans. Okay, okay. They'll look at other human. They'll They'll look at other laws about humans to mm-hmm. to extend that to say, and therefore you should also not. Or you should also be sure to.
2: Okay, when brothers dwell together, and one of them dies and leaves no son, the wife of the deceased shall not be married to a stranger outside the family. Her husband's brother shall unite with her. He shall take her as his wife and perform the levir's duty. The first son that she bears shall be accounted to the dead brother, that his name may not be blotted out in Israel. But if the man does not want to marry his brother's widow, his brother's widow shall appear before the elders in the gate and declare, "My husband's brother refuses to establish a name in Israel for his brother, he shall not perform the duty of levir." The elders of his town shall then summon him and talk to him. If he insists saying, talk to him I, Don't talk to him. him If he insists by saying, "I do not want to marry her." his brother's widow shall go up to him in the presence of the elders, pull the sandal off his foot, wow. spit in his face, and make this declaration. Thus shall be done to the man who will not build up his brother's house, and he shall go in Israel by the name of the family of the unsandal. Wow. Oh, my
1: God. <laughs> <So> <laughs>
2: unpack that a bit.
1: So what, are, so what do we take from that?
3: Well, what you can it? have more than one wife. Well, well, that
0: is. What if the no. brother is married?
1: No. Married?
0: Did it say unmarried brother? No. 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 Brother. She needs to be protected.
1: Uh, yes. Correct. So. You better but, wear sandals or laces. So. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it says his husband's <laughs> brother, <laughs> her husband's brother, but it doesn't say an unmarried brother. brother. Right. 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 So, so it it maybe when brothers dwell together, one of them is unmarried.
1: <coughs> okay. Yeah. I, I, the That's implication scary. is he's not. Oh, okay. He's not married. um Mm. but but it doesn't mean he can't be i mean there it was it was a polygamous you know society um, but he has an obligation to so his brother mm-hmm. the obligation's not to her no it's the name of the, the obligation name. is to his dead brother so that the dead brother's <laughs> name continues in israel otherwise he is considered as like he's truly gone and never existed so that is the most horrifying thing people could imagine, right? Maybe not for us, but, you know, to have lived and then you're gone and it's like you never existed, that that was the worst they could possibly imagine. And so we have here a, a, a leftover law about how to make sure that didn't happen. Um, Richard and Sarah.
3: But it's awful that they assume... That she's wanting the brother.
1: What they they do not her. assume she, she wants the doesn't brother. Want she doesn't does have a, a choice. It's her duty.
3: She what does. if she doesn't want him?
1: It's her duty. There, there, there are discussions of of that, but it's not in Torah. Um, according to Torah, she she needs to accept because she doesn't have many options.
0: Yes, yeah, so she's going to be an, a, widow. Yeah, it's not a widow.
1: Correct. Correct. We People were not to anxious to time? marry widows, right. right? And you want a virgin as your bride, right? Remember, the priest, high priest not allowed to marry, right? Somebody who's been married before. There's something about. You know, she's been tainted, in a way. She's I was going been... to say, nothing's changed. But... Yeah. Yeah. Right? I don't think I can say well, that well, at that time, there were no... How many times have you been married, Judith? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so... I, I don't think you're a living yeah. proof of people say, don't, don't want to marry a widow. Not yeah, nothing. yeah, yeah. You might want to pipe down over there.
2: Yeah. Am I correct uh, at that time, there, there were no last names?
1: Richard? <laughs>
3: oh. Are we talking about preserving the family name?
1: Yes. Well, Is his, his name. His
2: There's no last names at that point.
1: No, it's his his name in the family. So, you know, if Mehmet is Mehmet Ben Avraham, then it's, you know, David Ben Avraham, who's. There is no family name, there's no surname so it's David Ben Avraham that name's going to be gone, right when did last name, so was that in the 19th century? I have no idea (laughs) way out of my time expertise when you start talking about the 19th century (laughs) I have no clue what happened in the 19th century well I was
2: a young man then so
1: so, what is your sense from this
0: Robert? I, I don't know, it seems obvious to me she is entitled to, uh, bring on the ultimate humiliation yeah. to yeah. this person who is doing so the wrong doing thing. Thing. yes, and get much worse. That's right up there with taking the clothes away from a widow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: know, Women don't have
3: a lot so
0: of really
1: so, so what do you take from yeah. this? How is, the, how is the lever How is lever at marriage viewed by the society that writes this law Positive. and this ritual? Positive. Positively, and what about the guy who refuses to be a lever?
0: Worst, the worst. The
1: worst. The unsandled. Worse. The worst, and he's known forever yeah. mm-hmm. as the unsandaled one. And
0: it's the woman who gets the privilege yes. of <laughs> spitting
1: in his face yes.
0: publicly. Yeah, I mean that is that's so cool. weird. Like if she didn't have a choice in any of it. Why isn't the, you know, the, the elders get to unsandal him. That would be even worse. So, Maybe would it? Maybe the lowly person unsandle you. Answer, Laura. If you're degraded, humiliated, that the woman is doing this to you. That's the worst. And this also has to do, I think, with property. That if there's the dead brother, and he has no heir, and she is cast out, then the surviving brother gets all the property. So it protects in that way
1: too. And so it's, and it gives her agency. She's just been rejected. She's just been told, I will not marry you and give you the son that you are entitled to and remain connected to this family whose protection you will enjoy. He's refusing her all of that. I, I can't imagine anything. Yeah, I can't imagine anything more satisfying than publicly spitting in his face. Right.
0: And his elders can't talk him out of this decision.
1: Right, they've already gone to him to say,
0: "Dude,
1: you got to do this. This is not okay." Right, they talk to it. I, I imagine them taking him out back, right, and yeah. right, and having a little chat, right. And if that doesn't work. Obviously, this is somebody who is so selfish right? That and greedy that he won't give her a son, who then right, has claims to believe This was designed so that it never happened. Right. Yes. yes, correct. Well, talk about a deterrent. Um, <laughs> right? <laughs> is
2: hard. Yeah. Yeah. We're about to get to other deterrents <laughs> here. Do we have to? That's what
1: one of Laura's new favorite passages yeah, yeah, yeah. of Torah, right? Isn't it great? <laughs> all right. So, great. all right. We're going to do a little more, and then I want to go to uh, a different part of the Parsha. Are we going to skip?
2: Yeah. Can, no, we, we skip can we skip eleven? We can't skip eleven. Go
1: for
3: it. All
2: right. Okay. We go
3: ahead. On <laughs> okay.
2: You get this on the record. If two men, if two men get into a fight with each other. And the wife of one comes up to save her husband from the antagonist and puts out her hand and seizes him by the genitals you shall cut off her hand show no pity. Why why in the world would you have no pity on a wife who tries to save her husband? I got nothing. You
0: you
1: can't
2: reconstruct
1: this. I I got nothing.
2: Just no, no, no reconstruction. I got nothing.
1: nothing. They, some, (laughs) the rabbis, (laughs) of course, (laughs) interpret this to mean that's silly, cut off her, ridiculous. It (laughs) means you have to pay the damages that would have been paid had her hand been disabled. It's of course about paying, right? The guy the same amount that her hand is worth. because in because in bodily damage you assess everything has a a value. A value. Just like in our in our insurance right. schedules, right? right? Everything had like you know if I'm fifty four as I become fifty five I'm worth less, right? So. Um, so it, your leg is worth this much your arm is worth, your hand is worth this much so she, it's saying he, the guy has to be paid what her hand is worth, that's how the rabbis live with it
0: and, and this doesn't
2: apply to knees or feet Jesus. she can kick up well, and the worst
0: thing that can happen would be if you're in a fight and your wife comes up to save you and she's so courageous and tough <laughs> that you need her and she's going to go grab the other guy by his genitals you do not want that to happen. Correct. So,
1: oh,
0: have to I, I have a question. Yes,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That It's critical. Yeah. It's, because if... That's one of the people who want to try to defend this um, as a deterrent is because... His genitals are the way he reproduces. So you're not just you're not just injuring him, you're inju- you're possibly preventing him from from for generations, exactly. And Laura thinks it's she grabbed him by the balls. It's like, uh-uh, that ca- that cannot happen. Um, as uncomfortable as this subject is. <laughs> <laughs> for some more than others, I would imagine. <laughs> About the grammar in the
3: Hebrew, as to what it is. Yeah, who's right? Right, it doesn't when, it, even. Because it, it doesn't, doesn't. It's not it clear. Even in the Hebrew, it's not clear. Right. right. Which, like, is, is she protecting her husband's, or is she sort of uh, 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 getting at the attacker? to try to it, dissuade the attacker
1: from continuing the fight. It, it seems it's the attacker. It's the attack. She's she's grabbing him. the attacker oh, no, yeah.
3: protecting the husband.
1: No. So hey, well, well she's the by her intention is yeah. to protect her husband, but she okay. can't really okay. protect I mean, how does she protect him? She disables okay. his opponent. Okay. that makes okay. Yeah. I mean, I mean, she 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 grabs. Okay. So it, it clearly isn't... She's not going to do that, presumably, to her husband. This is obviously written because of this happened. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, so, yes, either this has happened, you know, or it's complete fantasy, like some things are, and it's just about men's dignity and, right, you know... But yes, maybe because it happened. It All right, let's, let's at least look at one more before we... we... God? <laughs> okay,
2: but this is easier.
1: This is easier, okay. Right? Sure doesn't it doesn't involve
2: does. any bodily parts. <laughs> <laughs> you, you shall not have in your pouch alternate weights, larger and smaller. You shall not have in your house alternate measures, a larger and a smaller. You must have completely honest weights and completely honest measures if you are to endure long on the soil that the Lord your God is giving you. For everyone who does those things, everyone who deals dishonestly, is abhorrent to the Lord your God. So,
1: honest weights and measures, this is, you know, just about everybody knows that this one is in here, right? That you you can't cheat. There's one more that I guess we're not going to read today, and it's that you feed your animals before you feed yourself. It's in there somewhere. I don't think so. Well, I don't think you, you so. Would know. <laughs> I think it's rabbinic. Oh, maybe. I think because it's rabbinic law says no you have to feed your animals before you eat. Right. Um, and that you have to sit to eat. Otherwise, you are eating like an animal. Yes.
3: Um,
1: so I believe it's rabbinic. Rabbinic. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's not in kitetse. If it is mm-hmm. in Torah, it's not in kitetse. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, I want to go back to the beginning of Parshat Kitetsi because I had a happy accident. Sometimes these happy accidents happen, and I just get so Mm. excited to share it with you (laughs) because otherwise I'm just all by myself. Going, Judy, Judy! (laughs) You'll never guess! (laughs) Right? She tries, God bless her, she tries. But she's just like, this is exciting, why? Um, so at Hartman, we studied, actually, a, I didn't realize it came from here until I opened Kitetzeh, but we studied with a fabulous teacher, um, and he brought us this piece from Likute Moharan, which is a uh, Hasidic teaching. So he brought us this Hasidic teaching, and we loved it, and you know how sometimes you can't remember why <laughs> afterwards, but we loved it, and we loved learning it with him. He's such a great teacher, and, um, and it was based on this verse of Torah, and I had just read a commentary by Rabbi Noah Farkas on the exact same verse, and I'm like, oh, I can do the Hartman piece with them, and it can be called Torah <laughs> this time. So that's what we're going to do. So we're going to no look at this way. verse first. <laughs> what? No No way. Yeah. It's so exciting. All right, hey. T- 22 1. I was like, I can't believe it. It's this big for us. Uh, All right, so 22 1. If you see your fellow's ox or sheep gone astray, do not ignore it. You must take it back to your fellow. If your fellow does not live near you or you do not know where he is, you shall bring it home. And it shall remain with you until your fellow claims it. Then you shall give it back to him. And you're going to do the same with his ass, his garment, and anything your fellow loses and you find, you must not remain indifferent. Lo lehit alem. You cannot ignore it. Um, So pay attention to... The word here um, is "vechein uh, ta'ase aveidat achicha." You shall do the same with every of your neighbor, meaning that which is lost, something halachle ibud. It's it's gone to be lost. All right. So let's look at. Yes, thank you. I did go back and get it. That's the original. We don't want that.
2: No. no, finders keepers losers weepers. No, no finders you know, keepers, keepers losers, losers weepers. Uh-huh. Not was recently, in something Tola. in the news: a, co- a bank accidentally gave uh, thousands and thousands of dollars oh, yeah. to somebody, yeah. and they went and spent it. Yeah. <laughs> and
3: now they're.
2: <laughs> and now, <laughs> and now they've been taken to court. They've been convicted of something.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, it's not finders keepers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> All right. Mm-hmm.
1: So now we're going to look first at the commentary by Rabbi Noah Farkas, and then we'll look at this piece from Likute Moharan. Are there more? There are not. Uh, I didn't count on so many people being here today, which is awesome. So, yeah, folks can share. That would be great. <laughs> Okay. Right, you don't have a highlighted copy, because I highlighted after I copied. So the last sentence of the first paragraph, we're talking about this idea of stuff that's lost, right? Um, and he's, talk- he's quoting his great-grandfather, who used to say that just because something's out of sight doesn't mean it's lost. Right when I go, my glasses are lost. No, they're on your. Own. You're, you're, they're, they're on my, usually they're on my face. But you're right. But right, if they're not lost, it's that I can't locate them.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. they're fine. They're in the house, or in my purse, or in the car, or at work. Why, they, they're somewhere. They're not lost. I haven't found them yet. right? Or I just don't know where they are. So his grandfather says, for something to be truly lost, you have to lose hope. You have to despair over it and give up. Otherwise, they're just misplaced. For it to be lost, you have to have given up the hope of finding it. Mm-hmm. right? Otherwise, it's not lost. It's just somewhere. And you don't know where that somewhere exactly is. Don't you live with it when, you know, where's the last place you had them? <laughs> I know, I know. That's I where they, they are. That, right. If I knew that. <laughs> I <laughs> okay, well, all right. So nothing is lost, he says, until you let it be.
3: <laughs> and nothing and then, is lost then, until you fall. let it be. Mm-hmm.
1: Like all right. Or Drop down to, to, in this week's Torah portion, in this week's Torah portion, Ki Tse, we learn about how to guard ourselves from losing hope. From all of the places that we could learn this idea, the Torah chooses to learn it from an ox. <laughs> Do not see your fellow's ox or sheep or if you see what oh, right. your fellow's ox or sheep gone astray you must not ignore it. You must take it back to them. You are not allowed for missing to become lost. You must not ignore the animals you must return them. Deeper still the Torah's language is intentional when it says do not see. Yeah, it's, that's true. The Hebrew says lo tir et shor a so don't don't see your fellow's ox or sheep as lost. The language of sight here is powerful. It is not only that you must return what is lost, but you cannot allow yourself to view the ox or sheep as lost. What begins as an obligation to, turn a missing, to return a missing animal transforms into an entire worldview. Do not see the world as lost. Do not see a world that is only dark with no light. Do not give up. Do not look upon the world and give up. You are not allowed to despair. The Midrash adds, you must surely return what is lost even until the thousandth time. You cannot ignore what is wrong and broken in the world. You cannot give up on it either. Nothing is lost until you let it be. According to legend, there was a large stone in the middle of the ancient city of Jerusalem called the claimant's stone. Anyone who lost something would be directed there to declare that they were looking for the item. Similarly, those who found lost objects would bring them to the stone and declare that they had found the item in that place. And upon that stone, those who have lost and those who have found would seek out one another. Right? We don't have such a stone anymore, he says. He said, it is in your hearts. The Hebrew word tshuva means return. Not just repentance from sin, but literally to return from some other place. At this time of year, when we prepare for the High Holy Days, we need to create spaces in our hearts for our own claimant's stone. A place inside yourself and with your community to declare something is lost and something has been found. In a few weeks, when we gather together as a people and wonder, where did my life go? Where did I put all my energy, my anger, my love, and worry? Where did my hope go? In that moment, we can look across the room at those whom we love. We can glance at those whom we've wronged. We can look out the window at a world that is yet to be perfected. Finally, we can look inside ourselves and find those parts of us that feel broken and lost. We can look, but as the Torah says, do not see what has gone astray. Do not look upon the world with despair. The world is unfolding in front of you, and you must not let it be lost. As we gather at the turning of the year, come back to the community and find the stone to stake your claim. We can all be made good again through tshuva, because nothing is lost until you let it be. You can stake your claim for the future by returning anger with love, loss with hope, worry with gratitude, and most of all, declare what has been lost can be found again, even until the thousandth time.
0: This is what Joe
2: Biden.
1: Is that beautiful? Yeah. Uh huh. Which words? Yes, didn't know afar. I mean is it, Torah is this, Rabbis? it's in Torah
0: okay.
1: it's 22-1 no 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 I understand
0: but then the rest of it the commentary Let's, I'm going to look inside you know I, did he write
1: that yes yes everything that's not in quotes is Farkas the quote is 22-1, do not I, see what has gone astray.
0: Oh, I see, I see.
1: Okay, that, that's from 22-1. That, that's what I meant. Those are the actual words from Torah. The rest is his, unless he's quoting, you know, like where he, he quotes a longer thing from the Midrash. How recently right. did he write this? When was it written? I mean, the, I just got comment. it in my inbox this week. I don't know if he wrote it. This is a living person. Now, but yeah. Yeah, he, Rabbi Noah Farkas is, is my colleague. He's young and, and edgy and off Awesome. Mm, Um, So, beautiful. So now let's look at the Likutei Moharan that I learned at Hartman. Da, she tzarich lehat tzaddik lachzar al avedato. So again, this word, avedato, what is lost to one. So da, no. She tzarich lintsoa lehat tzaddik lachzar al avedato. You must, one must travel to a tzadiq in order to search for what one has lost. Because before a person comes into the air of this world, before a person brings uh, comes to the air of this world, meaning before they emerge from the birth canal, they are shown, so again, this language of seeing, they are shown and taught each person exactly what is necessary for them to do, to work, what, what they should be doing their work, their service, and to accomplish in this world. Okay. But we forget. We forget. The second we come in to the air of this world, immediately we forget.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: And there's a midrash that says this indentation in our upper lip is from the angel touching us here mm-hmm. so that we forget. <laughs> As our stages of blessed memory said, et hashocheach oved, the one who has forgotten. The forgetter, meaning every single one of us, obeyed, is called lost. And forgetting is a form of lostness. As our sages said, they're of blessed memory, it's, it's said uh, elsewhere in uh, rabbinic writings, quick to hear, and quick to lose. Like, quick to listen and quick to lose. And it is absolutely necessary to search and um, to seek that which one has lost. And what's been lost to a person is with the tzadik. So think of a teacher Think of a role model. Think of an author. Think of a poet. Think of, right, someone you knew. Think of community. Right? What we've lost is with fill in the blank. Because the tzaddik has searched for what was lost to them and has found it, right? So who do you go to to help you find what you've lost? Somebody who's already done that work in their own life. Somebody who's already identified what they've lost and has figured out how to find it, right? The achar shemots'ah chozer umvakesh achar avedot acherim. And we're talking about the tzadik who, after finding it, goes back to help find the lostness of others adchimotse <inaudible> gam avedatam until they help or this if you want to say community if you want to say a teacher if you want to say a grandparent right until they or a therapist um, until they help find also the lost of other people adchimotse <inaudible> ha avedot ha-olam. Until they help or this person helps find the lost stuff, the lostness of all of the world. Al,. And therefore, you have to travel to a wise person and to seek and to recover, to reclaim Aveidato, what has been lost to you? Ula Kabbalah Etslo, to return and to receive it from that person. We can't find our own lostness. We can't. We have to go to somebody else. We have to go to somebody we trust. We have to read something that we trust, teachings that we trust. We have to read Torah. We have to where, wherever it is we find it. We have to go where somebody's already done that work on what it means to to find their own teacher to help them reclaim what's been lost to them or what their lostness is about because all of us are lost. So they're taking this verse of Torah, Likutei Muharan is taking this verse of Torah to be a deep spiritual teaching and that you have to go to the place where that's already been done and that's where you can, somebody who's already done that can help you find yours And somebody who's really done that work helps everybody around them actually find what's lost to them. And then, in that sense, helps return things to the world that have been lost to the world. And so we have to remember that we can't just say it's lost, kind of like Noah Farkas is saying. You can't just go, it's lost, not until you decide it is, as he kept saying. Right. Likute Moharan, centuries earlier, is saying the same thing. It's not lost until you give up. Your, your job is to go find who's done the work that is going to help you be able, right? Levakesh, Vilehakir, Avedato, to go to, to seek and to um, receive what it is that you've lost. I feel like this is a lot of the work that we do with Shuvah. This is a lot of the preparation work for the high holidays, right, is trying to figure out, like, who do I need to go to to help me find what's, what's lost?
0: You've been listening to Rabbi Amy Bernstein's Friday Morning Torah Study from Kehillat Israel in Pacific Palisades, California. For more information, go to our website, www.ourki.org.